0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 200 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and I'm joined today by Richard. How's it going today, Richard?
1: Hey, Seth, what's going on? I I just moved. We were scrambling to get this podcast ready. Nothing worked after I moved. No internet, nothing. So it's a miracle that we made it for, to episode 200 today.
0: Ugh. It it really is. You had trouble on your end with your internet, and then my computer was having issues, but we made it. It's episode 200. We've overcome the hurdles, and we're going to have some fun today. So, we were kind of debating what to do for this milestone episode, and we decided it would be fun to kind of reflect a little bit, take a walk down memory lane, talk about uh, some of the history of the podcast, some of our Good predictions, bad predictions, funny moments. So we have a bunch of clips from old episodes that we wanted to play and discuss today. So that's going to be most of the podcast. And then, of course, fish mail. We can't get it even on episode 200. We got to answer the fish mail. It's a tradition, a good way to start off our next 100 episodes. So that's our plan for today. a Walk down memory lane. But before we get to it, I have a couple of reminders for everyone. First off, the sponsor of today's show is SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first e-learning academy for Magic the Gathering. And their online courses are created by some really amazing magic players like PVDDR, also Reed Duke. So you can check them out over at SpikesAcademy.com and even get 10% off if you use the code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, you can check them out on Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you so much to them for their support also We have some exciting news as well. Over on the merch page, in celebration of episode 200, we have a playmat, specifically for the podcast, MTG Goldfish Podcast Playmat. So if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, support the site, uh, head over to the merch page, check out the sweet new playmat. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as well. So with our reminders out of the way, uh, Richard, I think you're going to kind of take it away. You got the clips over there, so you're going to be in charge of playing them, and then we'll discuss them. So why don't you take us down, Our walk through memory lane.
1: Yeah, so this is episode two hundred. Now, if you do some basic math, that's over four years of podcasts, Seth. I didn't realize we've (laughs) been doing this for four years. Is
0: actually. Actually, I don't know if your basic math holds <laughs> up there. I think that is slightly less than four years, actually. But Wait, what? But the, what? There's 52 weeks in a year. So, so almost four years. Oh, okay. Almost okay. Well, wait, I thought you
1: got, me. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, there's one <laughs> podcast a week. That's 50, 50 times four. No, no, we, yeah. we, we had some weeks where we missed the podcast and took a break or something. I'm sure it's been more than four years.
0: That's, that's insane. That is really crazy. Uh, I, I oh, when we started this, I, none of us, I don't think, really knew. This started with an idea from Chaz, I think, was the one that initially pitched the podcast back in the early days of content on Goldfish, and we were like, yeah, that'll be fun, like, have a podcast, that's a cool idea, but at the time, uh, who would have guessed? I had no idea that we'd still be doing it over four years later, that's pretty insane.
1: Yeah, and thank you to our listeners who've been listening to us for four years. I know there are people that message me occasionally say, you know, I've been here since episode one, and I'm like, wow, that's insane. You've heard all of our audio issues. Uh, some of these clips we're going to play back. The audio is really bad. Uh, we still have audio issues. Like, literally 10 minutes ago, none of this was working correctly. So, uh, it's a miracle that we fumbled our way here. It's, it's like we got tackled at the 5 and just fell forward. And then the, the tip of the ball crossed the plane to the end zone. Like, that's, that's what's happening here. But we're here. Oh, my God. Four years. So... Seth, you talked about this a bit, but we started the podcast with our our original host, Chaz, who's no longer with us. He actually messaged, he messaged me and, uh, he said, Hey, do you guys, you guys want to just make a weekly news podcast and we can talk about finance and what's going on in the world of magic and things like that. And, uh, I was like, sure, I guess I have nothing better to do. And then, uh, (laughs) we, we, we got some mics, some terrible mics, and then we recorded our podcast. And here, Here's episode one, and I'm going to warn you guys, it sounds like a tech talk, a TED tech talk, a business presentation. It sounds really bad. Here you go. Hi, everyone. This is Richard from MTG Goldfish. Today, I'm excited to share with you guys our new MTG Goldfish podcast. Uh, It'll be a weekly podcast where we highlight the latest Magic the Gathering news. Uh, It'll give us a chance to give you an in-depth look behind some of the numbers on the website, provide discussion behind the articles. And provide a general platform for interaction between the fans and people behind the website. (laughs) Oh boy, I read that script well, didn't I? (laughs) Oh, you nail! You na- You
0: nailed it! It was like an infomercial, word for word. Oh my god! If I had, if I had heard that, I don't know if I would have kept listening. So thank you to our fans for for sticking with us through our first intro.
1: That 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 was serious, Richard. When he had a real job and he had to give like PowerPoint presentations day in and day out, like that. That was it. That 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 was the podcast PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Oh, oh boy, but, but you're not much better, Seth. I have some early clips of you. We're, we're going to find oh, out. Oh no. Oh
0: no. But
1: one of the biggest misses we've had on this podcast was a little, a little blue mage by the name of Jace, Jace VP. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the flip walker, Jace. And we all thought he sucked. We thought all of the flip walkers sucked. And after we, we, we put that out in the public, Jace. Came, went on to terrorize standard. He was uh played in modern quite a bit at that point in time, right? He, he's kinda of fallen out of favor now, but he was basically uh the Teferi of, of yesteryears, and we missed big. So this is what we had to say about Jace.
0: We're we're gonna devote a 15-minute podcast to how bad Jace is.
1: <laughs> a whole 15 minutes, and I think Seth you dominated that with uh with some of this.
0: Uh, Well, I I think we'll probably cover most of it as we talk about the Planeswalkers, but I kind of just go through step-by-step through each Planeswalker and explain why they suck. (laughs) Uh, yeah i uh i was not high on jace or any of the flip walkers actually i think i was most high on kytheon which ended up being like the probably the worst or one of the worst of the flip walkers uh, i will never live that down uh, no matter we could be doing episode 400 and you will still be playing clips of me saying jace prince prodigy was bad
1: so so he was so bad that we just dismissed them on the podcast we didn't even talk about them in detail so if you really want the nuances of why jace was bad you got to check out the article and uh uh, i don't even know what the article was called seth what do i what do i search like Uh, jace going to school mtg
0: something yeah sending the flip walkers to college or something like that i've tried to block it out of my mind so
1: (laughs) that was a good article seth why don't why don't you write like these kind of like situational comedy articles like that that was (laughs) like saved by the bell going to college (laughs) themed finance (laughs) article what happened
0: Uh, I think one of the weird trends about the podcast and also my articles is kind of a general trend away from finance to some extent. Like, we still talk about it to some extent. I still do articles about it on some extent, but if we're listening back, like, that's one of the things that I was reminded of with these clips. We used to be a very finance-heavy podcast. Do you remember we would do, like, every week the movers and shakers, and that would be, like, a huge chunk of the podcast was, like, price movement and stuff like that, and we just kind of drift did away from the financial aspect so
1: yeah I think yeah, yeah it was very different back then because uh, no one knew much about finance like for example you know now that you shouldn't pre-order during spoiler season that cards will be inflated and that people will open packs and it'll get cheaper and we know you know when around rotation to sell things this wasn't as apparent back then so we had to talk about it more and wizards didn't reprint cards like crazy back then either so you had to really be on your feet to figure out when you should buy into modern uh you know I, I remember like oh is it modern ptq season coming up you know prices are gonna spike these things like to a certain extent are not as important to either everyone knows them or wizards has uh you know reprinted enough stuff that at, at any moment in time like stuff is getting reprinted so it's not as crucial to track those things
0: yeah it is pretty interesting how the I think the community in general has just uh, our our knowledge has uh, went moved forward so much about financial stuff, where stuff that seemed like a big deal when we were talking about it 200 episodes ago, uh, now is just kind of common knowledge that everyone knows.
1: All right, so CVM couldn't make it today, but did you know? Did you know that he was actually a guest 150 episodes ago, on <laughs> episode 50. Which actually turned out to be episode fifty-two, I think, because we were late on it. Uh, here, here's CVM. Yes, it was been pointing out pointed out in the chat. Someone who needs no introduction, Chris Van Meter's in the house. What is up, Chris? Hey, how's it going? So that's Chris. That was Chaz, yeah. followed by a lot of Echo.
0: <laughs> that was that was one of our i think our only live episode we decided for the one year anniversary we were going to do a live episode of the podcast and we had a bunch of guests on we had chris i think we had wedge from the mana source as well if i'm remembering there might have been someone else who i'm forgetting that was kind of fun maybe we should maybe we should do a live podcast again at some point
1: where did we even do it do you remember did we even have a twitch stream or youtube channel at that point
0: i actually don't remember how we did it i don't think we had a twitch channel or else maybe we like maybe that's how the goldfish twitch twitch came to be maybe we created it to do the live podcast was it
1: like was it like google hangouts or something i'm actually kind of curious now oh
0: you might be right it might have been google hangouts is that still a thing <laughs> do google hangouts still exist 200 uh, 150 episodes later
1: yes yes it does and it will exist another 150 episodes into the future <laughs> so predictions predictions people listen to us for predictions and after reviewing the data, maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> we, we have a lot of bad predictions on the show. And uh, the bad ones are funnier than the good ones. So let, let's hear some bad ones. And because Chris was a guest, and because Chris can't defend himself, we'll start with Chris. <laughs> Gabriel asks uh, about dredge. Do we ever see a, dredge, a viable dredge archetype in Modern? I don't think so unfortunately <laughs> scavenging uh, news always, yeah, yeah. scavenging news is so good
0: <sighs> well in defense of chris uh, when we were recording this i'm pretty sure uh things were a lot different Golgari grave troll was banned uh, without before it became unbanned for a time so that was one of the big changes there was no creeping chill there was no cathartic reunion so a lot has changed since chris made that prediction but yeah, that is uh, pretty hilariously wrong. Looking back on it, when Dredge is one of the best decks in Modern, and people are again talking about maybe eventually having to ban something from Dredge.
1: Wow, do you remember a time where Dredge was not in Modern? That was episode fifty. <laughs> it, it's like oh. the Matrix or something, and we're we're going back in time. Like, remember when humanity was good? Like, <laughs> wow, like there was a time in Modern without Dredge, and all you had to worry about was like Splinter Twin. And like oh, death rate shaman. But now like you die on turn two and three no matter what. <laughs> the
0: the the good old fair days where it was like uh Jess Guy control versus Jund and and modern games lasted more than four turns. Oh man.
1: Oh all right, alright. Seth, what, what is a deck that currently is not good enough today in modern that 150 episodes from now will be rampant?
0: Oh man. Oh,
1: that's so... What's a fringe card or mechanic that we're always like, this has to be good, but like there's just not enough pieces to it?
0: I think, like, so this isn't predicting the future, but another good example of that was Vengevine was always a card that was not quite good enough, and then all of a sudden you get hollow ones and you have these Bridgevine decks. Oh, I'm trying to think of a of a combo that's just not quite there, a mechanic that's just not quite there, but with, like, that one piece printed, all of a sudden it's going to be... The top deck in modern, uh, hmm, it's got to be a fair, uh, an unfair, an unfair broken deck of some kind. I'm maybe like, heartless summoning is a classic example, I think, of a card that. I always feel like it's one one good card being printed away from all of a sudden being a really good and powerful deck in Modern, but we never get the card that makes it happen. So I'm gonna say Heartless Summoning. It's probably not a great prediction, but prove me right, future, three years from now.
1: All right, I'm I'm gonna say Control. Control has been the laughing stock of Modern for so long, right, and you're like, why would you play Control when you die on turn two or three anyway? You gotta close out games that you can't control everything in Modern. And Watsy will eventually print that card that is like too broken. Maybe it's brainstorm. Maybe we already have Jace, right? Maybe they give us counterspell, but they'll eventually give something to to give Blue Decks a leg to stand on, I think. They'll they'll accidentally do that.
0: Well, while we're predicting the future, I have a couple questions for you, Richard. So shoot ahead. 150 more episodes. Uh banning-wise, will Tron still be legal? <laughs>
1: i think tron will always be legal
0: they'll never they'll never ban it will it be good no
1: no will it be good (laughs) will be a different I, i think you will always be able to assemble the three tron lands to make seven mana whether they ban out every good payoff or they ban out like expedition map or something like that or Sylvan Scrying or something like that maybe but I think you can always do it. It's an iconic part of Magic. Dredge will be gone. I think they they don't want Dredge anymore. Although Creeping what Chill says otherwise. <laughs>
0: what about what about Storm? Will we see another storm banning in the next 150 episodes?
1: Will Finkle be playing Magic still? If yes, <laughs> Storm will exist. They they clearly like it. They clearly like it. They did not need to make Goblin Electromancer in standard. They did not need to make Brawl Chief of Compliance. They keep putting these cards and telling people, don't make Storm decks, but here are all the Storm pieces. Uh, But I think they will be slightly different. I think they actually won't print rituals anymore, but they will print cost-saving cards, which allow you to Storm off.
0: All right, and one, one last one specifically for you. 150 episodes from now what tier will jun be tier one tier two tier three where will jun be three years from now? tier one
1: <laughs> the green <laughs> power creep. eventually we're gonna get a tarmogoy <laughs> that's like a siege rhino it's a two mana it starts at like like two three okay and then it gets plus x plus x for each card type in the graveyard and it does a lightning helix on ETB.
0: Oh, that that would do it. That that would make changes. And, and when it
1: when it dies, it leaves behind like a beast token.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I you I, gonna clip this? And I am gonna replay this for you on episode three hundred. It, it, <laughs> it will
1: totally happen. Okay, like okay, what do you think by episode? Let's say by episode four fifty or five hundred. What does a one mana creature look like? Like a the beefiest one mana creature. <sighs>
0: I don't know if it's gonna. I, I'm gonna say it's not any better than today. Like maybe, maybe we'll see more utility stuff. Another Deathrite Shaman type thing will slip out potentially. But I think if you look at the baseline, is like maybe Wild Nacatl one mana three three. I think that'll still be the baseline on episode four hundred or five hundred.
1: I think we'll. I think we'll get something better. I think a one mana four four is doable, or maybe like a one mana. 4-1 or like 5-1 or something or like a, a 4-3 with first strike we'll get something ridiculous there, there's no way you know it'll be something like like you, wait hold on wait a minute this is all wrong Seth. we already have a 1 nana 12-12 i don't yeah, I guess, <laughs> wait a I guess, minute wait a minute <laughs> I,
0: I guess i guess that is that is true so we're, we're already wrong and we haven't even made it past episode 200 yet <laughs>
1: Like my guess is they'll make like a zero mana death shadow with lifelink, right? So like as soon as you hit someone, it dies. And then the people will find some way to like make it not symmetrical. Right? Because Death yeah. Shadow is like, well, if you want a 12-12, <laughs> you gotta go down you know uh so much life right and people clearly won't do that and then people found ways to abuse that right so i I think they'll make a big creature with the downside and then we'll just find a way to remove the downside
0: yeah if there's one thing that we've learned about modern is if it's has potential to kill people by turn three people will find a way to use it no matter how bad it seems
1: all right all right so talking about the future this is a perfect one fast forward to episode 100 frontier was the rage (laughs) frontier (laughs) was the rage have a listen in
0: uh give me your hot take your quick hot take on frontier
1: Ooh, i'll go first uh frontier is happening it will be a thing uh definitely maybe not immediately but i think in a year it'll be a pretty popular format so seth (laughs) what is the most popular deck in frontier at the moment because it's definitely a thing (laughs)
0: I I I think it's so much a thing. We recently took it off the metagame pages on the website,
1: <laughs>
0: so I have no idea, honestly. Uh, I, you could still be right eventually. Your time frame didn't actually work out. Within a year, uh, it's been what two years since that episode. So the time frame didn't work out. But I think maybe within the next year, by episode two, let's say two fifty or three hundred. I think you will actually end up being right.
1: Yeah, I, I actually still stand by this. <laughs> they're, they're they're gonna have to break break up. You know, the modern modern is getting too big, and with arena, we will eventually get some format that's quote unquote eternal on arena, where you know you have to be able to use your old cards after they rotate. So I think frontier is starting where arena started. So I, I I think eventually it will become a thing. The question is, can we predict the time frame? Is it two years? Is it four years? Or do they bring back something weird like extended instead?
0: So I think it'll happen by this coming rotation next fall. Whether or not, on Arena that is, how long it takes to actually catch on in paper, that's a whole nother question. And I think with Modern... Every time we talk about bannings and stuff, I end up feeling silly because there's just so many broken decks that I, I'm almost starting to come around to the idea that the way to quote unquote fix modern is just to like make a new smaller modern and then it's going to take another 10 years or something for the format to get so big that it's degenerately broken because I don't think you can like ban or unban modern into a fair play so I think you just got to enjoy it for what it is and then hopefully also enjoy this new frontier style format that will be coming.
1: Yeah I mean it's a a natural evolution of things right like you normally you, you start off with only one format right and then they made standard Type 2, and then eventually Power 9 was too hard, so they fractured off Vintage and Legacy, and then Legacy was too big, so they made Extended and Modern, so there's always this like, trying to make formats smaller, so we will eventually have to do something with Modern.
0: But... The unfortunate part, because uh, Arena starts at Kaladesh, or maybe uh, their Shadows over Innistrad might be on there. It's not really known. There's some cards or something. But let's say it starts at Kaladesh. The unfortunate thing is, Kaladesh block was the most broken standard block. So you're gonna start this new small eternal format with Etherworks Marvels and Smuggling Copters and, and Smugglers Copters and just uh, Sahili combos. All these broken things that had to be banned in standard. So it'll be interesting to see to see how they manage that. Maybe they just start with all the cards that were banned in standard on the ban list for this new format as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, either way, if the card pool is too small, you're going to end up with one of our old standards. So I, I, think, uh, I think Arena will get it immediately, but before they try to push it to the paper crowd, I think they want enough sets under uh, that umbrella so that the format looks unique and you're not just doing some weird flashback standard to Kaladesh.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think about the extended idea? Do you think... Is there any chance that that's actually the solution? The return of extended in another, like, a bigger rotating format? Or are you just expecting uh, some sort of frontier uh, non-rotating format? I
1: think players can only stomach one rotating format at a time. I don't... Like, I, I would have no desire to build an extended deck knowing that it's going to rotate eventually. So I don't want to see another rotating format, especially when the cards are old and more expensive to get.
0: And that kind of ruins things on Arena to some extent, because the whole reason to have this format is so your cards always have use even after they rotate from Standard. So you just kind of create another problem if they rotate eventually from this format.
1: All right. So, so, speaking of broken cards and emergency bans and whatnot, uh, what kind of kicked it all off was uh, a spaghetti monster from, what? what is the set, Shadows?
0: Uh, Emrakul was Eldritch Moon, right? Eldridge it came Moon? in the second set. So I, I believe Moon. it was Eldritch Moon, All yeah. right,
1: let's hear what uh, what I had to say about our, our friend Emrakul here. Interesting. Richard? It's okay. I'm not as hype as you my. guys. Uh, it's it's, it's, okay. it's okay. Well, wait, wait, there's a follow-up. <laughs> this Emrakul is standard playable, and it will be good in standard, but I don't see use cases in modern, uh legacy, vintage, etc. I mean, that's
0: that's mostly correct. I've seen a couple stragglers in modern when it comes to Emrakuls, but for the most part, I, I don't know if I've ever seen one in legacy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I came from a place where I was comparing it to the 1515 Emrakul. And it's just so much better the old one, right? (laughs) But this Emrakul went on to dominate standard, get the emergency ban, just invalidate every deck ever. Because if you haven't won by a certain turn, Emrakul was coming down and wrecking your face. And taking someone else's turn turned out to be a very big deal, which we all underestimated. Except Seth, maybe. (laughs) Here's what you had to say about this.
0: Uh, all right, well, as far as the card itself, I think it's pretty absurd. Like, this card is going to be really nuts and standard.
1: Huh? Yeah, yeah? I
0: I, I was incredibly high. I think I wrote an entire, like, 5,000-word article about how insane Emerkel was as soon as it was spoiled. And that's one of the predictions I'm actually kind of proud of. Like, I kind of nailed it with Emarkle. Uh It's kind of funny looking back on that. The thing that it reminds me of most is... Uh, is wizards and their design of formats like one of the big problems that made emiracle so dominant is that was the time period where wizards decided that they they hated hate cards of any kind so they printed uh emerkel and they there was literally no graveyard hate in the format none not a single card that could deal with the graveyard so everyone was casting like six mana emiracles and while that was painful and we had a ton of bannings we're seeing kind of the payoff from that rough period where we're kind of back to normal, I think, where we again have ways to interact with the graveyard and stuff like that. So I feel like Wizards, they went really too far in a weird direction, but they did learn from it, and now we're seeing that pay off with a pretty fun standard in Guilds of Ravnica standard.
1: Yep, but but rest in peace. It, it, <laughs> like, if you go further back, right, They they did rest in peace and, like, these really hateful cards right and it's like as soon as you slap it down like it's game over for the other deck so they they said okay this is like too hateful let's go with none whatsoever (laughs) and then (laughs) Emrakul happened and then now we're at the okay here's some like kind of okay but it's interesting because that has repercussions for modern because like I don't think we're gonna see like a rest in peace type card again unless it's in the the modern master set we're talking about where they make new cards specifically for modern but like these really hateful cards, like rest in peace. Like what's a, what's an artifact hate card?
0: Uh, in uh, stony silence. Stony
1: silence. Like they're notice how they're all from the same time, right? Like wizards, just like Wh- whatever guys. <laughs> like we'll just put in all <laughs> the hate. But now we we don't really get that much like we don't get that much new tech for modern sideboards with new sets
0: oh i gotta put another question for you richard for our future prediction so uh we're at episode 200 let's say by episode 300 will we have a set or a product that is putting new cards in modern without going through standard Yes. I hope you're right. I'm gonna say yes too. I'm not super confident. I really hope that's what happens, but I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you and say yes, because that would be so sweet.
1: Hundred percent. And the question is, how format defining do you think these cards are? Because like when they make cards specifically for Commander, they're really good. Right? Like when <laughs> when you buy any of the Commander products, there are some pretty good staples in there. So when they release these modern products, is it going to warp modern immediately? Like, are they all going to be fatal push type cards where all of a sudden everyone needs to play this or you need to consider when you build your deck, you know, about these cards or will it just be random <laughs> filler?
0: I think that's the risk. I mean, because Wizards, I mean, they test a lot of standard and a lot of limited. And Modern is kind of further down the rankings for testing. So there's definitely a risk that we would get something really busted if they do go that direction. But I still think it would be worth it. It would be so sweet. Yeah.
1: I, we, we skipped some Planeswalkers. There is some good Narset in here that we didn't talk about. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Narset. But we do have another Planeswalker. The new, the new Jace... Mind sculptor, if I remember correctly. Let's see. I think she'll be good, but I think people have overhyped her. I, I don't know that she'll be even the best planeswalker in the set. Chandra's okay. Huh? Huh? We, we were like kind of okay there. I remember yeah. everyone was saying Jace, and we were all coming off the big burn that was in our set where everyone also claimed she was Jace.
0: Chandra ended up being... I think I was the harshest on Chandra. I don't know if we have a clip of it, but I'm pretty sure I was kind of... I don't think I said... I, it wasn't like a Jay's Friends Prodigy-level disaster of predictions, but I think I was pretty, man, like, eh, it's all right, whatever, it's fine. Uh, so I think I missed hardest on Chandra. Yeah. And Narsat, oh man. Uh I just remember Narsat for, like, maybe... 12 episodes maybe even more maybe it was like 16 episodes in a row and this was back during the finance days and we would always talk about the biggest winners and losers and Narset I swear to god was the biggest loser <laughs> from like $70 down to like $5 so every week the biggest loser for like 4 months was Narset, 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 Narset
1: so, wait, so what What? What have been the worst planeswalkers we've seen in 200 episodes so Narset's gotta be up there Tybalt's bad, but everyone kind of knew he was bad.
0: (sighs) New Jace? uh, Cunning Castaway, maybe? Might be on the list. Oh, but
1: we all memed him to death, too. That's, yeah. Hmm. They don't just make bad Planeswalkers anymore. Or, like, deceptively bad, I think.
0: Yeah, there's some that don't work out. Maybe, like, Arlencord? I remember, like, I think Chaz was super hyped for Arlencord. And then... Arlincord never, never really did anything, but she, she wasn't bad in an absolute sense. Like she was still okay. I think some people played her as like a one of in Jund or something, but, but she never really. There's some planeswalkers like that that never really reach their spoiler season hyper potential, but it's hard to really call Arlincord like a bad card in
1: an absolute sense. Oh wait, Sarkin, wasn't oh, Sarkin like never played?
0: Oh, not the new three mana Sarkin
1: no 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 the oh well, he had blue it. The, the
0: teamer yeah the teamer yeah uh sarkin yeah i <laughs> i think i oh i'm glad we didn't find a clip for that one because i'm pretty sure i said i i think i remember my exact quote i think i said something like sarkin unbroken it should be sarkin broken ah, and then and then it never saw play <laughs>
1: Oh, just put that up with Underworld Cerberus. Like cars <laughs> we thought were good that never saw play. But there, there are some planeswalkers that turned out to be a lot better and format defining that, you know, we we either said we're good or like, didn't go crazy on like Karn, Gideon. Like these planeswalkers Te- that dominated standard.
0: Teferi. Oh. I think we were sort of like meh on Teferi.
1: Alright, I got I got a treat for you, Seth, for Teferi. <laughs> So I, I think Teferi will be, you know, okay to, you know, he'll be playable, but he's not going to dominate standard or anything. We've seen this kind of planeswalker <laughs> before. You heard it from me, not dominant in standard. Not like there was a stretch of time where people are only playing Teferi as their literally only card that can win the game in their deck. uh Yep, 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 yep. I think we, I think, well, I severely underestimated the power of untapping those two lands. Like the, when, when Teferi was dominant was when you could, uh, play Teferi plus and then have two mana to, uh, seal away an <laughs> incoming threat, right? Or, or counterspell fog. or fog or anything, right? Like that two mana untapping was so ridiculously broken. And, uh, the fact that he was a win con in itself, that you could just tuck him, like just put him over the top that uh, people didn't even need to play finishers and uh yeah total miss on teferi
0: yeah we definitely underrated teferi a bit but i think like kind of everyone did it first or at least many people did it first
1: yeah i think i don't know wizards is pretty good at making planeswalkers now so anything anytime we see a planeswalker that looks kind of playable is probably gonna be good
0: what about jaya ballard I guess she didn't really look kind of playable at the time, and she hasn't. She hasn't that's been kind of playable. But we
1: knew we kind of knew that though. We knew that it was like a combo planeswalker. Oh, what was the yeah. Sahili? Sahili sucked. Ooh.
0: Yep. But what, I, and I mean, Sahili did kind of suck. But then they printed Splinter Twin <laughs> in standard.
1: That's what Jaya needs, right? It's like, wow, this card clearly sucks until they print like the exact card you need to combo off with.
0: Like that's that's yeah. kind of Jaya, right? Yeah, that that's, that's a good point. Maybe we'll still get it. There's still time. We have a couple more sets before Jaya rotates.
1: All right. So Kaladesh block was was like the most broken block in quite a while. And uh, Smuggler's Copter we talked about on the cast. Uh, I think this card's too good. <laughs> it <laughs> seems really good. Like any creature you just randomly play now ha- is yeah. a three-three haste looter on the first turn. So you know the fact that you can loot. And the fact that it's a 3-3 three, three flyer uh, makes up for the fact that you know it's a vehicle. And I think it's really strong. Crew 1 is a really low cost. So I think you'll see a ton of decks with this as a 4-of. Got there. Got him. You, you,
0: you <laughs> absolutely nailed it with Smuggler's Copter. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good enough that it still sneaks into Modern every once in a while. And was obviously bannably good in Standard. So good job. Oh. that's why people have tuned in these last 200 episodes for nuggets of wisdom Yes, like smugglers copters you, you
1: just gotta sift all the bad ones away <laughs> you know if you make enough predictions some of them will be right and some of them will be wrong you just you just need to select the right ones to play back during your 200 episode <laughs> anniversary to make yourself look smart so yeah <laughs> but copter is really good I don't know what wizards was thinking copter is really good
0: yeah i mean i think they just wanted to make sure vehicles were playable for their first run and and they went yeah. way too far yeah so
1: they figured this all out and then they they thought okay we're gonna fix vehicles so they made heart of cure
0: so when you tweeted this out richard because you know we all kind of had our thoughts on this um over social media you were really excited about this card
1: yeah i think it's insanely broken i still do <laughs>
0: When I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's like a two-mana Sierra Angel. This has to be really good. But after thinking about it more, I'm pretty sure this is just like, not strictly worse, but generally worse than Smuggler's Copter. I think that's probably that true. true. I think Smuggler's yeah. Copter was actually better, but but then it got banned, and Heart of Kirin was uh, pretty dominant as well. Man, I forgot how good Mardu Vehicle was uh, for such a long time. That was, like, for almost a year, that was one of the best decks in Standard. Ugh, vehicles. Well, now we get horrible, absolutely unplayable uh, yes. vehicles then, to make up for it.
1: Oh, what was, what was the last vehicle? The... The Weatherlight. The Weatherlight died for these sins. <laughs> the Weatherlight yeah. is supposed to be, like, the greatest ship of all time or something. And I don't even remember what it does. I don't even know what it does, because it was that bad. I haven't even played it in Commander.
0: Yeah, it's it's not very good.
1: Uh, they, they should have just made Smuggler's Copter the Weatherlight. Then everyone would would love it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. So vehicles, big mistake. Energy, big mistake. I don't think we have any eclipse on energy, but energy was a big mistake. Uh, what else happened during that time?
0: I think pretty much just Kaladesh was a big mistake. yep yeah. <laughs> in, in in general.
1: Uh, so after after that, we went to Amonket, and then we got we got the gods, and uh, here's a little clip on uh, Hazaret. Eh, I mean, <sighs> it's cool to
0: see. What the gods are going to be like? They're they're not devotion based, but they do have a kind of a pseudo devotion ability where you have to meet some condition to actually turn them into creatures. I know they're technically creatures all the time, but functional creatures—you have to do something. I think people are going to be surprised at how difficult it is in a typical deck to be hell bent, or even just have one card in your hand. That's. It seems like it should be easy, but a lot of times if you get yourself into that position, you either have to be like winning the game right away or you're going to end up losing because you have no cards in the hand and your opponent does. So I think that you need a really specific deck for Hezret, but I think in that deck it can be very strong. I guess I, I started off really bad, <laughs> but it, it was very strong in more than just a specific deck. Yeah, I I remember being pretty pretty down on Hazorette and then dying to Hazorette very many
1: times playing standard you you were punished by the Amaket gods for for this (laughs) this blasphemous statement here because uh, Hazorette was a terror in standard uh, so much that people asked for a banning but eventually the metagame shifted she wasn't as uh, as good we got uh, we got the exile effects to get rid of her and it wasn't as bad, but it was still totally worth, right? Because you can just chip in a whole bunch of damage with Hazoret. I don't have the clip, but I, I'm pretty sure I was pretty high on Hazoret. I, I don't know if it was off-the-cuff comment, but I always thought that Hazoret was always under-costed. And getting hell-bent in red isn't that difficult.
0: Yeah. Uh well, yeah, you were right on that one and I was <laughs> pretty far off.
1: Uh but uh but I'm not going to predicting gods because the next god in line to dominate standard was Yeah, I think it's good enough to play by itself. I I don't know that you would use it as a control finisher or something. It seems not good enough but in a mid-rangey deck, but blue and black are not typically mid-range colors in standard. Oh, I was about to ask you, Seth, which <laughs> god do you think I'm talking about? And then the last part uh, gave it away.
0: It Sounds like Scarab God to me. I I'm pretty sure I was excited yeah, for the you scarab. You like god scarab god. right away. Uh
1: I, 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 I thought it was too slow. <laughs> Turns out that you could just reanimate everything and stabilize, no problem.
0: Uh, so what what one do you think was worse in standard which was more annoying hazarat or scarab god scarab god yeah it probably actually was scarab god uh they were both they were both pretty annoying at their peaks but uh scarab god felt so unbeatable like they're oh man i remember just uh, the nightmares of your opponent playing a scarab god and you're just like okay i I can't win yeah you need (laughs) to answer it
1: immediately if you're if you're a bit late in answering it like you're you're in trouble and it's hard to answer because it comes back to your hand and you can just play it again. And then you have these all, like, uh, I remember watching the Pro Tours and stuff. Like, there's just all these weird shenanigans you can do where you, like exile another scarab god or something and like make tokens or you know there's just all kinds of weirdness you can do and it makes the games last forever like scarab god mirrors like oh dear at least with Hazaret, it's like over in five minutes right either someone's dead or someone's won or something and it's just done with and we do have cast out and things like that to deal with hazard so it's not like the end of the world if you miss it it's you know miss turn. right you just take five damage to the face
0: yeah there were some grindy long matches with two scarab gods going oh that and you like couldn't activate yours because you had to leave up your activation to fizzle your opponent's scarab god activation oh my god it was it was something else
1: <laughs> yeah so that's all the clips we clipped we, we try to think of some of the cool cards from past standards it's we we went through a lot of broken standards looking at this. So standard curly is in a much better place when you when you take a look back. Uh modern, you reminded me of time before Dredge. I kinda wanna go back to that time. I wanna go back to the time of Death Right Shaman, Bloodbraid Elf. We actually had a lot <laughs> of standard uh modern changes throughout the podcast right? Like, we had a lot of unbannings. Golgari Grave Troll became unbanned. Jace became unbanned.
0: Yeah, Modern has undergone a ton of changes. New cards, creating new decks, uh, Hollow One, Hardened Scales, the Rise and Fall, and then Rise Again of Dredge. Death Shadow. Uh, Yeah. Death Shadow. Fatal Push. Now we're seeing... Fatal Push, Arclight Phoenix, uh, is, is the new one. We'll see how much that actually sticks around, but that's the new hotness, and, uh, yeah, I think right now I would say out of the entire history of the podcast, modern is probably below average right now. I would say on the other hand, out of the entire history of the podcast, I think standard is very much above average and one of the the better places it's been during the course of the podcast. What how would you rank our current formats against the history of the podcast?
1: I think I think you're right there. I think modern is worse, standard is better or standard's kind of the best it's been and then modern's kind of the worst it's been and legacy i don't know it existed more back when we started the podcast because we could talk about uh sunday coverage of legacy <laughs> i haven't seen much vintage the same commander has gotten huge over over time i remember the early episodes of the podcast, every spoiler season was like, Wow, this card sucks, but probably playable in Commander. <laughs> uh, and it was before Commander really Clash. Know. Yeah. This was Yeah, Commander we didn't Clash. even
0: know what that meant. We would just we would just say it if it was big and expensive, because none of us actually played Commander at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then we, we started Commander Clash because we're like, oh, we should learn something about this format. And turns out not every terrible ten CMC card is playable in Commander. Very little. Very few are, but uh. Yeah, and then we saw oh. Popper rise. We saw, we saw. Oh, how about the rise and follow formats? So Frontier, oh, t-
0: tiny leaders, tiny
1: leaders was the original <laughs> frontiers. Oh boy! Oh, we should have, we should got some tiny leaders clips. We totally forgot about that. Bro, oh, that was
0: a brawl. Yep. Is is that a fall now? Is brawl on the on the downswing?
1: Is that where we're at? I don't know that anyone plays brawl. Does anyone play yeah. Brawl? Watsy themselves have stopped trying to promote Brawl.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's kind of. I mean, maybe some people play it. I'll just the everlasting image of Brawl will be that <laughs> the guy that showed up and was the only player <laughs> to reg for the championship and was the champion because he actually signed up for the event. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I just think uh, players can't handle rotating formats. Like, there's only. I don't have time to keep up to date on like. 10 formats at once, right? Like e- even standard is like too much, right? So like adding in Brawl, having to manage that, like I like my EDH deck because five years later, it still works and maybe it's not optimal, but it still works and I can still play it, right? So that doesn't happen with Brawl.
0: Uh, so let's, let's jump forward, <clears throat> excuse me, let's jump forward 200 more episodes, uh, Modern. More popular than today, less popular than today.
1: Two hundred episodes forward, will Magic the Gathering exist? Yes. <laughs> will people be playing it?
0: Yes, I think Magic will be doing fine. Two hundred more episodes from now, bigger, Even bigger or smaller? Today. Bigger.
1: Okay, I certainly hope so. Because the other question is, will there be episode four hundred of the MTG Gold Podcast, <laughs> or will we be working at Walgreens? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that
0: that is a good question i'm hopeful that we'll be you will be doing episode 400 walgreens does not sound super appealing compared to talking about magic Uh, but
1: as long as magic is still around we'll be around and you know we oh we can talk about magic as a whole right we we survived hearthstone did hearthstone release before or after we started the podcast it's gotta be after right
0: uh, probably around maybe i think around the same time maybe slightly after
1: so we survived hearthstone uh we're probably surviving artifact <laughs> right artifact we have has fizzle magic arena <laughs> we, we, oh we have arena we had v3 we had v4 yeah
0: digital magic i mean i think that's duels the, of the biggest planeswalker. Reason. <laughs> Uh yes the the death of duels of the planeswalker i mean i think arena is the biggest reason to be optimistic for i mean there's other reasons as well but i think that's the biggest one to be optimistic for 200 episodes from now magic doing really well
1: all right so so 200 episodes from now will organized play look the same no so will we will we congregate in weird cities around the world (laughs) slightly outside downtown areas to reduce costs and play magic at the highest level with the highest pros Uh,
0: so i uh, man Uh, all right my hot take prediction that we can look back on and laugh uh, 200 episodes from now is that there won't be pro tours at least in paper anymore oh by the time we get to episode 400 i think Maybe DPS or magic fests, like those type of gatherings with a more casual bent, those might still be doing something. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say that premier play is done on in digital, most likely on Magic Arena. Who knows? Maybe there's some other programmer game that they're working on that could change things in the next four years. But but that's my hot take prediction. Four <laughs> years from now, no pro tours.
1: Here's my hot take prediction, Seth, that paper magic will never die, that arena will be gone <laughs> in, in four years, or it'll be a different thing altogether. Uh, but in general, I think wizards, I, I I don't see them ever going away from paper and that they'll keep it around their the entire existence that the pro tour will still exist secondary hot take pro tour payout will be exactly the same as it is today (laughs) it hasn't increased in the last 10 years right and it won't increase in the future what they'll do is split off arena have their own esports circuit or something we're about to find out next week or i guess this week with the organized play announcement for arena as well but I I don't see them killing paper magic. I think they're gonna force people to play with physical cards. I I don't see them actually going digital and killing everything.
0: And and what about Magic Online? Just keep my prediction is it's just it keeps chugging along with its however ten thousand players or what, whatever number it has. Four years from now, Magic Online will still be a thing. four
1: years is a long time. I don't know that Magic. I think Magic Online will be around, but maybe we're on V five. That would be interesting. But there's no way they would Man, spend it, money to make V5, so I don't really know.
0: Uh, if they could just, like, port over Ar- <clears throat> the good parts of Arena and you could play Legacy, oh, boy, that would be sweet.
1: <laughs> we, we ported we ported over the economy. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. No. Yeah, I, know. Um, yeah, I,
1: don't, I don't know. Mag- magic's going to be... It'll be interesting to see where we are. Another 200 episodes is four years in the future. So... I I don't even know. Maybe there'll be a new iPhone or something. Like we won't even be talking about mobile phones. We'll be playing with stuff in our eyes. Yeah. VR. Virtual ma- ma- reality. Maybe we have yeah. to actually throw fireballs at each other.
0: <laughs> that would be interesting.
1: It's, it becomes uh, well. Yu Gi Oh. We just show up and then we pull out our <laughs> deck of cards. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, I don't think Magic is going anywhere uh, in the next four years or probably even longer than that. So I'm pretty confident that Magic is going to be doing well. Uh, it'll be I'm more interested in like specific formats. Like, will there even be any legacy tournaments four years from now? There will will be. Modern still be a... It, will modern still be anywhere near as popular and supported, or are we all playing this uh, postmodern format that is presumably going to be created? It, it, that's the stuff that's going to be really interesting to
1: see. Oh, all right, hold on, wait. So, talking about legacy, so four years from now at vintage, what is the price of Black Lotus?
0: Oh my, well, I don't even know what it is now, honestly. It's going to be. Uh, so let's go easy. Uh, it will continue to go up. It'll be higher.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess the, the second part of my question is, will the reserve list still exist? And based on your answer, you, you think yes.
0: I think that even if it didn't, Black Lotus would still, the original Black Lotuses would still keep going up, just as collector items. They might actually go up more if Black Lotus was reprinted. But uh, I'm gonna say yes, the reserve list still exists. The way I see the reserve list going away is if Magic starts to do poorly and Wizards just wants to uh, cash out as much of their equity as they can. And uh, with Arena and the hype surrounding it and where everything's at, standard improving, I'm feeling pretty good about the future of Magic. So I don't think in the next four years, Wizards is gonna get into panic mode. We gotta get rid of the reserve list.
1: All right, I, th- I think I agree. I think reserve list will still be around. I think Black Lotus will be like a gazillion dollars, and it doesn't matter. Uh, the question is, what about is Underground C?
0: That was the exact card I was gonna say. Jeez, uh, how high can it go? A thousand dollars a copy.
1: What is it at? Didn't it like hit six hundred or something? Like, what? What are we at? I don't even know what we're at right now.
0: I, I'm looking it up. A revised Underground C is currently six hundred and two dollars. Actually, I guess it spiked for a while up to like eight hundred, right. and it's trending back down. Hot
1: take: It'll be 2K, two k, two thousand dollars. <laughs> Man, because so, we said the same thing like when we started this podcast. Underground C was probably a hundred bucks.
0: Uh, yeah. Looking back as far as our price chart goes, which is well, I guess that's two thousand and ten. Well, when do we start? okay so say 2013 we started the podcast yep. 100 in, 100 in, 180 let's say yeah between 150 and 200 and we were like on what point the wow year that's choose. so
1: expensive how much higher can it go and they're like ha ha look at it now right so
0: <laughs> yeah i mean if you go by that it's it's tripled in price since we started the podcast so if it tripled again that would be 1800 yep in six dollars
1: yeah if you want to be exact all right eighteen hundred so, six dollars write it down Seth. <laughs> right I, I might as well just put the price in the graph right now <laughs> so when you comment on the mtg goldfish <laughs> website you'll see that we have a trajectory
0: <laughs> so are you going to go buy some underground seas richard and then retire in two hundred more episodes, no. With your underground because by
1: luck, I'll accidentally <laughs> buy counterfeits or something. Like it's just so difficult. You, I, you need to go to some special guy with like a loop and a, a, like a flashlight and like the bend test, and like it's just so hard. That oh, it's it's just it's just so hard to buy old cards now.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good. But point. can you imagine you buying
1: a car? Like you go to like a civic dealership. And then you get home and you find out it's not a civic, it's like a fake Civic. You're like, What? (laughs) What happened? Right? Like that that's what's happening when you buy like a black lotus or something now, right? You gotta be so careful
0: yeah that is definitely a concern and uh, that's another interesting question how good do you think counterfeits will be in 200 more episodes like by that point do you think we'll be to the point where there's literally indistinguishable counterfeits or do you think something will happen where where the problem or the benefit of people counterfeiting is less and it becomes less of an issue
1: i i think the old cards are counterfeit proof because i i think it's it's really hard to make and I don't know that it's worth it Like let's say you, you know, like let's say uh, humanity's fate rested on the ability to make counterfeit black lotuses I'm sure we can turn <laughs> one out like next week, right? But if you're Joe Schmo in your basement trying to come up with the new illegal business I don't know that it's worth the time and money to do it However, I'm going to say that there's probably real counterfeits out there that are, are really good You just can't tell Yeah, and it's only the bad ones you can tell, and the bad ones know they're bad, and they're not trying to look good. They're just trying to sell at like you know a a small rate, right? Like you know when you buy a fake handbag or something, a lot of times like it's just clearly fake, but it's not tricking anyone, and they're not trying to make it look good because it just takes too much effort. So they're just you know here is thirty percent of the product. So I, I think we'll continue to get those kind of counterfeits, and the really good ones probably no one can tell right now. I mean it
0: seems like if you could make indistinguishable uh, magic cards it's probably like roughly as good as being to able to make indistinguishable U.S. dollars. <laughs> like, I think you might actually be better <laughs> no, off... I would mean, hope not. I think... I would mean, hope cards.
1: U.S. dollars have a little more security than that, <laughs> but... But, yeah, right? It's really expensive. But, like, I... I mean,
0: the risk is so much less. Like, you get... Oh, man, if you get caught making fake money, you get all kinds of trouble. But if you get caught with fake underground C, like, what? Is there even any... Punishment. for
1: that—that's <laughs> yeah, that, the intern project. You show up at the mob headquarters. You know, you're like, "Hello, <laughs> mafia. Uh, I'm here to work." They're like, "Okay, your first task is to make a counterfeit Black Lotus, and if it passed the light tests, uh, you can go on to making USD." <laughs> 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 like, yeah, that's that's what happens. But I'm almost positive. Like, say you're a factory. Say you work at a factory, kind of like that sheet that someone stole. What set was it? Ixalon or something? Where someone stole like a full foil sheet. Like, you know, after the lights are out, you just print another couple thousand print runs of some card and then just like take it with you. Right. So it's like made at an authorized place, but it's not, you know, given to Watsy. Right. So it's actually the same card, but it's illegal counterfeit. Right. Uh,
0: Yeah. That I don't know what you do about that. Then, I mean, it would be just as real as any other card except wizards didn't have a hand in it yep wow crazy crazy times well any any other uh any other predictions or thoughts here richard episode 200 also are we fish mailing are we just gonna go with this
1: maybe we'll we'll do one fish mail question (laughs) because we can't have an episode without fish mail but, right. but it is our so, 200th anniversary, so we, we need to make sure we get all the predictions in so we can use these clips for our 400th anniversary. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: We have some good ones, and they are probably... I, no one, one last prediction. How many of our predictions do you think will actually be right?
1: <laughs> Zero. <laughs> That's back. an easy one. Yeah. Zero.
0: <laughs> I think we'll get one. one. One of our crazy predictions will probably be right. Hopefully it's mine and not yours, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's it's just so crazy thinking 200 episodes ago, four years ago, everything was so different. Us, your voice, my voice, (laughs) the website, Magic itself, the community. Remember, Magic was not as big back then, right? We've had the largest growth period of Magic. Like, I don't know. It seemed like every set was uh, the most selling a set for so long. So, so many people... Uh, have joined our game, right? So just everything is so I, different since two hundred episodes ago.
0: I like to think that that is uh, attributable to our podcast. It's such a great podcast. We've caused we've caused the game to grow at unprecedented levels over the history of it. <laughs> That's it.
1: thirty years from now, when scholars look back on the rise. There's gonna be a Vice article on the rise the rise of Magic: The Gathering, and they're like, there is this MTG Goldfish podcast, episode one. <laughs> That triggered all of this. We must find these people. And Seth is like in some cave on some island with like a handful of blood moons. They like track him down. (laughs) It'll be wait. He's like he's like Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Blood Moon. Oh Oh,
0: God. All right, Richard. So uh, what's our fish mail? Give us a good
1: one. I'm trying to read all the fish mail we have to see okay here here's a good question so we'll we'll do the rest of these fish mail next week because i don't want to miss them right but ronald foster jr happy 200th episode guys what's been the most challenging part of making the goldfish podcast and what's been the most rewarding part
0: Ooh, that's a really good question uh so for me, and it's much better now, but traditionally, I had all kinds of issues with internet. Do you remember that from the early days, how horrible my internet was? How did you fix and how, it?
1: <laughs> how do you uh, fix I, internet? I
0: moved. I moved to a location with better internet. That's dedication,
1: my friends. <laughs> that's dedication.
0: Uh, yes. So that, that was the biggest challenge, although that's gotten much better since I moved to a place with, with respectable internet. The most rewarding part, Ah, <sighs> hmm. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, I like to think that the, what we talk about is helpful to the community, and, it's, uh, and it helps people get into the game and stay in the game. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and, uh, and, and it doesn't, but that's what I'm going to go with. I think hopefully we provide a, a service to the community with the podcast that is actually beneficial to people, and also entertaining, hopefully.
1: Yeah, So the most challenging part of the Goldfish Podcast is the audio My, We need like a real audio person I remember the first episodes like We would have like, oh, you know, we would lose audio There would be echo There would be, oh, you're recording from a toilet today Maybe we still are And <laughs> just like every week there was like just something random And like we had no idea what was up with it It was just randomly do weird things so making the podcast, just actually making it was very difficult. The most rewarding part, uh, I think you, you, you talked about it, Seth. I think just, just being able to talk about magic every day. Uh, you know, like maybe you live in a place where, uh, you don't have a lot of friends in real life that play magic. Right. So being able to come on the podcast, share our experience with you guys and talk like we're all kind of like a big group of friends is pretty cool. And then when we go out, uh, I know at Grand Prix Vegas, it was actually pretty fun when people came up to me and said, hey, you're Richard, right? I'm like, yeah, right. It's like, oh, I listen to every episode of the podcast. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so just sharing kind of the everyday Joe aspect, like we're not we're not pro players. Uh, you can tell, uh, we we can't even predict cards correctly, right? Uh, you know, we can't tell you the most optimal lines and things like that. We're not, we're not, we're not Hall of Famers, but you know, just being able to talk magic with your buddies and having people listen, uh, is pretty cool. And I, I, I do hope that we, we did help grow part of the community. I'm going to take credit for like 0.01% of it. <laughs> Someone listened to the podcast on iTunes or something like, what is this game? They sound very, interested in it let me go with my local game store and try it out i'm gonna say at least one person has done that and if you have leave a comment (laughs) it
0: was it was probably someone who was looking for like magic tricks or like actual (laughs) magic and stumbled across our podcast and then got hooked (laughs) if you're
1: if you're an actual magician and you started playing match the gathering because of us let us know in the comments below
0: (laughs) oh man uh well i think that does it for episode 200 of the mtg goldfish podcast anything else on uh the way out the door today richard
1: uh no so it's been a fun 200 episodes and hopefully 200 more and we get to do this again maybe we'll make a, a shorter milestone maybe we should do like episode 300 instead
0: Or, like, 201.
1: (laughs) 201. Join us next week as we celebrate again.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you to all of you. Seriously. Like, thanks for hanging out, Richard. But thanks to the audience. It's because of you that these 200 episodes have been possible. So, thank you for being so awesome. Thanks for listening and hanging out each week. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, with that in mind, if you are looking for a way to support the show, reminder, we have the new Podcast play mats available over on the merch store. So you can check them out there. And one last shout out to the sponsor of today's show, spikesacademy.com. You can get 10% off at spikesacademy.com with the cold goldfish. So thank you to them for their support. So again, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. This has been episode 200. We will be back next week with episode 201. So until then, have a wonderful week. And this is the crew signing out.